This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, Fintan O'Toole wrote a very interesting piece in his Tuesday column in the Irish Times. He began by saying, I'm well aware that on the spectrum of interesting things, sex is at one end and pensions are at the other. It was an interesting and amusing beginning to what was a very interesting column about pensions. And pensions are, of course, something you don't think so much about when you're young and become extremely important in your life if you're fortunate enough to grow older and to have your health. And it is an area that is fraught with danger, with contradictions, and indeed with sharp operators. And it's a great pleasure to welcome to the stands, as it always is, Chris Johns. Chris is the former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, and he knows a lot about these things. And I suppose I should begin, Chris, by asking you, in his piece, Fenton O'Toole lays out the options that are available to people in this country, which I didn't know about, but apparently they've only come in recently. The incentive really is the later you take your pension, even if you're entitled to it, the more you get. But one point he makes that's kind of fundamental is the change that is inevitably coming as we grow older and live longer, and as young people have to really support us. And this is the key statistic I give you, Chris. The ratio of people over 65 of the adult population will hit 28% in 2031, 34% in 2041, and 41% in 2051. So that's going up very significantly. And if your job is to think about the long-term future of the public finances, this should give you grey hairs because, of course, it's going to cost governments more. In my experience of pensions, a lot of the private pensions, and I tried a lot of them, they were all scams of one kind or another. It was never properly explained what would happen. The outcomes were always bad, and it was depressing even for someone, you know, of average intelligence like me, I couldn't get my head around it. The first question I want to ask you is, how should a young person now, a younger person, let's say somewhere between 30 and 50, who is not in a good position, does not work for a good employer or an employer that has a good pension scheme, how should they approach the question of their pension? And how should the state facilitate and prepare for what's coming down the tracks 
in terms of the ratio of old to young? The best advice I could give anybody when it comes to thinking about their pension, if they're not a financial expert or at least experienced in some way in finance, is to get lucky and find somebody that does know what they're talking about without charging them too much. And that's actually a lot more difficult for the reasons that you've hinted at than it should be. Uh, Getting decent advice at a reasonable price um, is a bit random, to say the least, in the pensions industry. Now, full disclosure, it's an industry I've worked peripherally in all my life. I've never been a pensions person, but the, the bits of the finance industry I have worked in have always had interactions with the pensions industry. So it is something, A, I'm involved in. That's the, that's the full disclosure. And secondly, therefore, hopefully, I know something about. And uh, there is far too much uh, obscure jargon. There's far too much... Uh, there are too many hacks and charlatans in, this in, in the industry, yes. absolutely, charging far too much money. Um, there are honorable exceptions to that. There are people trying to do a good job for a reasonable price, but I do think that they are the exception rather than the rule. By and large, the pension industry is mostly, I think, a fee extraction industry. In that it's all about generating yes. fees for the providers yes. and not doing a good job for the customer. Uh, so, and the regulator's done a reasonable job in various jurisdictions, including Ireland, of making that situation better. It, it's it's a situation that has changed. It's nowhere near, by the way, I mean, as bad as it was 10, 20 years ago when it was yes. I mean, awful. So things are slowly getting better, which is a good thing. There are less hacks and charlatans. They are charging less, mostly thanks to what the regulator has done in Ireland and elsewhere. There is plenty of competition to provide services to savers and pensioners. Um, but it's, it's, it, the industry has still got a long way to go. It, the the way in which it's overcomplicated, and this is something that Fintan O'Toole, one of the many good points he made in that article was that clearly, uh, in, in his direct experience of getting his state pension, two arms of the same government are not talking to each other. They're probably yes. sitting sitting next to each other, but not actually talking to each other. And pensions are, are littered with this kind of confusion in terms of what people know, what they don't know, the kind of advice that they are given. Um, I had occasion recently, and if I just tell you my Fintan O'Toole style anecdote, yeah. I had occasion to re- phone. I'm not quite at, at Fintan O'Toole's age yet, but getting closer. So I'm thinking about my state pension as well and phoned the British and the Irish Pension Authority helpline um, in order to try and get, because I've worked both in Britain and in Ireland sufficient that I'm entitled to yes. a bit a bit of a state pension in each country. Um I asked the British helpline, uh, do I need to apply just in one country or both? And they said they'll have to get back to me and ask their boss because they had no idea. And the the Irish helpline, the first thing I'd say is that this was idea, somebody's idea with, of, of a joke, I think, to put this person on the helpline. It was clearly somebody that would, couldn't interact with normal human beings. So in order not to make, cause trouble in the office concerned, they had put this person on the helpline who uh, gave me exactly the opposite uh, information that the British helpline had given me. So I was left none the wiser. And this experience is typical, absolutely typical. And the way in which legislation and regulation and all these other things interact with each other is extraordinary. I mean, have you ever heard of a PRSA or an ARF? No. Well, these are vehicles for people who are in self-employment or are trying to build their own pension pots outside their company schemes in Ireland. And one of the things that I have learned 
is that if you have a PRSA, you save in it all your life as, 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 as a saver, as a worker in Ireland. The one piece yes. of advice I would give your 20, 30, 40-year-old is if you ever think you're going to retire outside Ireland, go to Spain or Portugal or yes. whatever, don't take out a PRSA because when you do it, you're going to be taxed in Ireland and in Spain and Portugal. You're going to be double right. taxed on it. There are so many different examples like Fintan O'Toole that I yes. can give you about how it's overcomplicated riddled with jargon and too much fee extraction. Okay, let me put one of the scenarios that Fenton laid out. And this is a new system just brought in by our own government here, which I didn't know about at all. But the longer you put off drawing down your pension, the higher your weekly payment will be. And he gives the following example. So if I take the pension now, which is due, he's turning 66, I get 277 euros a week. If I leave it another year, I get 290 a week. And if I let it go until I'm 70, I will be getting 337 euros a week. So in that scenario, I would be tempted, God sparing me, to wait until I was 70 and get to 337. Is there any significant advantage of making one or other of those three decisions? This is completely and utterly insane, asking people to make these decisions for themselves. <laughs> I think that's the point of Fenton's of speech. <laughs> because what, what you're asking an individual to do is make a bet on how long they're going to live. It, it really, yes. once, once you strip out all of the nonsense and the jargon around that very decision about whether to take your pension at the first opportunity or to delay it as the government in the UK as well as Ireland is making the same offer, the only way you can sensibly say whether it is financially sensible to, to delay or to take the, yes. the, is, is, to, is to know when you're going to die. I mean, yes. how nuts is that? And therefore, it becomes a gamble on your longevity, which way you go. Um, if you think you're going to snuff it quite soon, then you take the money now. If you think you're going to live to 105, then you delay. It's, it, it really is as simple as that, but as stupid as that. People should not, the government should not be asking people to gamble on their longevity. Right. This, is a, this is a device to try and save money in the short term by persuading people to um, delay their pension. And I suspect if I, if I did the actuarial arithmetic on average life expectancy of the population as a whole versus the, the money the government is either going to spend or save when, with regard to this scheme. Um, I haven't done that, but the cynic in me bets that the government is the one going to be making some money out of these bargains, that, that the, 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 yes. the individual that's going to lose out. And this is a prelude over the long haul to getting people used to the idea that you're not going to get your state pension until you're in your 70s. And that goes back to the other point that you were making yes. earlier on, which is that there are going to be too many pensioners living for far too long going forward. Yes. That number is increasing every day as the population is aging. The situation in Ireland is nowhere near as bad as it is elsewhere, but it is going to get worse as the number of older people as a proportion of the population increases. And these pension schemes, such as they are, I mean, it's not great getting 12 or 13 grand a year to live on, is it, Eamon? You're not going to have a luxury lifestyle with that no. kind of income. But the state, ultimately, is not going to be able to afford even that. 
for people retiring at 65 and living another 20 or 30 years. Now, the fun, there, there's something very fundamental to be pointed out here is that, that the idea of retiring at 65 and living for decades was not how pensions were originally designed. The, yes. the original pension scheme is actually designed by Bismarck of Germany in the 19th century. Yes. And he, he put it together for his Prussian army officers, who typically didn't last much longer than 50. So it was a very good pension scheme because most of the people that could have availed of it were dead by the time they reached pension age, which Bismarck randomly assigned at 65, which was terrific at that time because that meant yes. nobody, very few people availed of it. That 65, for all sorts of strange historical anachronistic reasons, has stuck. And we all still think that retiring at 65 is a good idea. And for those people who don't work in manual jobs who enjoy good health, retiring at 65 is actually a blooming stupid idea for all sorts of social, political, economic, and yes. personal reasons. It's a pretty Although tough. one should point out just a caveat there, people in manually stressful or demanding jobs, bricklayers, builders, people who are out there, you know, getting dirt on their fingernails and having their backs bent, there is a case, is there not, for distinguishing between people in manual labor and people who are white-collar workers? 100%. Yeah, that's why I said that people who are fit and able should not retire, full stop. Right. I mean, that's, that's as much a sociological point as, as a financial one, but it, it, it is both. There are plenty of people who should retire at 65 or even earlier, and people who simply, for one reason or another, shouldn't be doing that kind of work that you described there. But the other thing to remember going back to Bismarck 65, is that in those days, most people did do manual work. They worked on farms, yes. actually. And that's yes. not true today. It's a, it's, a, it's a small minority of people that are working in, on building sites and other manual occupations that mean that they should, um, in all fairness, um, get their pensions at a re reasonably early age. But those of us that, that sit at desks and touch wood enjoy reasonable health, um, retiring at 65, it's nuts. And it's nuts for, for, the, for the financial reasons that we've discussed. It's also nuts from personal reasons, because retirement is, 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 is a tricky time for many people. But that's a sociological, psychological yes. point rather than a financial one. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Fenton points out that those of us who have managed to get to 65 can now expect to live for another 20 years. And pension schemes were never designed ever no, to pay out for 20 years. He goes on to say that's great news for us. However, and this would be perhaps where I'd like to avail of your wisdom, and I'm sure our listeners would. There is a growing problem here that looks almost insoluble, given the advances in medicine and given the difficulty young people are having now to get housing, to get jobs that may last, and so on. Is it fair to say, Chris, that not exclusively talking about Ireland now, that there is a growing tension between the young and the old? And a resentment young people might feel that when they look ahead, it looks far less rosy, the world, than it did for us. And indeed, they'll be paying for those who live longer and keep drawing pensions forever, it seems. Absolutely. It, it's, it's the stuff, ultimately, if it keeps on going in this way, a revolution, Naaman. And this one is will be an yes intergenerational revolution. And it has begun, hasn't it? Conversation has begun. Resentment against what are called baby boomers. That oh, people yeah. who are like me, who were born in 1945, in my case, but baby boomer that comes from after the war and the explosion of childbirth when the men returned home. There's a, there, there's a disparaging phrase, OK boomer, that is often used to, to really? mock people like us. Um, yeah. And it is because of these, you know, we've, the, the story is, and the story contains more than a kernel of truth, but it is also an exaggerated one. It is more nuanced than this, this crude representation is that we've got all the pensions, we've got all the houses, we took all the free education. Yes. I, I went to university um, and, and didn't come out with any debt because at the time I had grants, all yes. these sorts of things, that the, these privileges that people like me were granted are not available to uh, anybody in their teens or 20s now. And there is resentment building up. It, it is largely true. It's not 100% true, that very crude story I just told. As I say, there are nuances that uh, perhaps forgive me a little bit of, of those sins. But, the, but the, the ways in which this is showing up is a resentment, yes, uh, it is in the rise in populism is is in part driven by this. Um, this is why the young is going to vote yes. for Sinn Féin in your election coming up, according to the polls. Um, it's it's why in surveys in country after country, a lot of this generation say they are no longer believers in democracy. That they yes. in fact would prefer a strong person or a strong man, often is the phrase used to to be in charge, and that's a very worrying tendency. So yeah, um, pensions is what is. Pensions are one aspect of this. And you, you began the conversation by asking, what would you advise 
the younger person yes. to think about. And I said, and I, I gave one answer. Another answer is to plan uh, as if you are not going to retire at 65. If you retain your health and are not in a manual occupation, you're going to be working for a lot longer than that. And I think most importantly, when we're talking about the state pension, which is what Finton was going on about, and we've discussed in various ways what that, that is and what it isn't, by the time a 25-year-old hits 65, the idea that there's going to be a, in a, the equivalent of a 12,000, 13,000 euros a year state pension waiting for them on the arithmetic, Eamon, on the life expectancy things that we've talked about and what that actually means for public sector finances, that money just isn't going to be there. They are not going to get their 12,000, 13,000 euros a year at the age of 65. So plan as if that is simply not going to happen. You're on, you're on your own. Yes. Let me ask you about people who have not made pension arrangements and who are considering it. Could you give us three do's and three don'ts? I'd be availing of this myself, by the way, I'm declaring an interest. Okay. So this is somebody that is that is young, which is not you or me, Eamon, I'm afraid. No. Um, and thinking about how they prepare for their retirement in, what, decades' time? Three don'ts. Okay. Uh, don't overpay for advice and the way yes. in which your money is management managed. Costs of managing your savings is is actually as important about thinking about the investment returns that you're likely to get so think about costs right. um, as don't overpay that's so uh, don't pick a charlatan to manage your money i mean that's very important there, as i say there are fewer of them it is an industry that is much be better regulated but choice of who and the vehicle that you use for your savings yes. is, is 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 incredibly important and once you've started saving and put a, put a plan into place, don't, don't look at your savings pot every day or every yes. month. At most, look at it once a year. Because one of the behavioral things that we know from a very broad finance literature is the more, the, the more often you look at your savings, whether it's for pensions or a rainy day fund or whatever reason it is that you're saving, you've, when you are a saver, you've become an investor in financial markets, whether you've invested in stock markets right. or bond markets or property, whatever it is that you've decided to put your money into and you're confident that the, the plan in place is a good one, revisit the plan periodically to make sure that it's still the right one for you. But don't look at that pot of savings, which you can do these days because of all the electronic information feeding into your spreadsheets. We'll tell you what your savings pot is worth day after day. Don't become a Wall Street or City of London trader with your savings because you will make mistakes. You will destroy value in your portfolio. Just leave it. Don't even look at what it's worth more than once a year. Have a look at the plan. Do, and do think about the original plan that you put in place. But go, once you've put it in place, go off and live your life. Don't worry about it. Let me ask you about the United States of America, where you know, every day the stock market is watched very keenly because people's income, retirees, as they're called, is, as I understand it, affected by the ups and downs of the stock market. What is different about their system? It's not that different. Yeah. It's not, is it? It no, appears no. to be much more reliant on how the stock market is doing on any given day. Yes and no. Our system is getting closer to theirs. There's been a gap. We used to, to, historically, the retirees in Ireland and Britain, 
mostly relied on the state pension, which which is un- utterly unconnected to the stock market. Um, in America, they have something called social security, which is their word for state pension, and that's not related to the stock market at all. What they've had in America for many, many years, you remember I asked you that question about PRSAs and ARFs uh, earlier yes. on? <laughs> and their, their equivalent, this, this is why it gets ridiculous, is that you have to start quoting all these acronyms and pieces of jargon. In the United States, they have these things called IRAs, which, which is not what you might think it is. It's an investment retirement account. And they also have something called a 401k. Yes. That's the one that I think is quoted very often, isn't yes. it, when there's political unrest? Yeah. And uh, that's where the money is invested in the stock market. And Americans make that mistake. They trade these investments far too often and give money to Wall Street brokerages and other houses, institutions that are there to separate them from their money via that fee extraction that I talked about earlier on. But it's getting, in America, which tends to lead the way in in these things, the whole money management industry is getting better and better, and and at least it's getting cheaper and cheaper. So that fee extraction is is getting harder for for the people who, who are trying to extract the fees. But it's because... Pensions in the United States, there are loads loads of people who are individually saving for their retirement outside of their company schemes, outside yes. of the state scheme, in these things like 401ks. That's right. why the stock market is so important. But it's also the case that for non-pension reasons, people, you know, there are plenty of rich people in the States who play the stock market. So yes. and and, and there is far too, if you think as an individual that you can on a daily, weekly, or even monthly basis play the stock market, don't would be the other yes. would be the big don't that I would say because you're up against people who know far more than you do uh, yeah. about what is driving stock market prices. You are up against people who are far better than uh, you are at, at, at getting hold of your money. Um, so do not play the stock market would be a big, big don't, whether it's with your pension or with just your savings. Okay, Chris, let me ask you a final question about France. The retirement there used to be 61, then it was 62. I think at the moment it's 64. But Macron, and he's not the first, Sarkozy also tried. Macron made it a do or die mission that he would reform the pension system and the whole retirement idea, and that he would push the age up to something like 65, 66. As I'm sure you know, it brought people onto the streets in amazing numbers. Despite the fierce protests, France has raised the retirement age, which was 62, to 64 under Macron's, what are called, controversial new reforms. A friend of mine, a young guy, there was an incentive that any money you earned on overtime, you didn't get taxed on. I noted that he was working in a restaurant and I knew that he wasn't availing of it. And I said, why Why aren't you doing this? You know, you pay no tax on it. He said, I work to live. I don't live to work. And there's a, a French mindset, as I'm sure you know, is very different in this area and many others. Is France heading in the right direction, striving for something that is healthy, or is it living in a fool's paradise? Well, it's a bit of both, isn't it, Eamon? I mean, we both admire the French way of life and the extraordinary, (laughs) many, many extraordinary aspects of it that uh, are encapsulated by the story that you've told there. I think 
encouraging people to, in their 20s and 30s, to obsess over their retirement and to ask them how long they're going to live and to, you know, devote significant proportions of their lives and their incomes to preparing for it is a nonsense because, it, it, you know, you should be, we should be encouraging people to live their lives during that time and just very occasionally think about their pensions. And that, that balance is, is a very important one to strike. The pension payment is very close to the money you get when you retire. Yeah. And that, or you that, are getting. That's, that's the fantasy bit. Um, as yeah. I said, your, your story was a bit of both. And uh, this is true not just of the French. I'm not going to be rude here about just the French. It's, it's about pretty much all of us. And one of the, the sad facts is that we, we, we can't do arithmetic. And that when the simple, it is very simple arithmetic of pensions is pointed out to people, which is that if governments like the French and the British and the Irish plan over the next few decades to keep paying these pensions at 66 or 67 as it is likely to be become at the rates of money that the you know the pitiful rates of money that are currently around at the moment these governments will go bust and this won't happen tomorrow it won't happen next year it probably won't happen in the next 10 years but it will really start to bite over the next 20 and God knows what's going to happen over the next 30 to 40 years. And when you start yes. talking about decades rather than weeks, in our very short-term world that we live in, people's eyes yes. glaze over, and they prefer to talk about something else. So it is very easy to go on the streets and revolt about pension ages going up now to benefit uh, society in 20, 30, or 40 years' time. People find it very difficult to get their heads around that. What we have learned is that the only way we ever solve these problems is in the teeth of a crisis. And what will happen in some number of years' time is that these pension schemes that we currently enjoy will ultimately, you know, if, if, by de if, they're, if they're, we are right and they're unsustainable, that's what's going to happen. They will one day become unsustainable. That day is not today or tomorrow, but it will arrive. And the day it does will be a day that we haven't planned for. But if you think about it, our old age is something that we don't plan for at all because it's just too hard and too awful to contemplate. We're always yes. surprised as older people when we run out of money and our health deteriorates because, oh my God, nobody told us that this was going to happen. <laughs> a final point. The fuse has been lit, shall we say, on the pension issue, it's burning slowly. Is it likely, in the end, to explode, in your view? Yes, absolutely. Unless something radical changes and the retirement age goes up into the 70s or the state pension scheme just withers on the vine or a combination of the two, um, this, it, it will blow up government finances. Um, the, the, there are other things that could happen. I mean, one of the things that seems to be happening in the United States, for example, and a little bit in the UK that is helping their government pension schemes is that longevity is shrinking. This steady decades-old increase in the number of years for you know, our life expectancy has, for all sorts of horrible reasons, gone backwards in the United States. And as I say, there yes. are signs of it happening in the UK. Um, it, it's partly to do with the, the um, fentanyl crisis in particular yes. and the drugs crisis in general. If, and, but if, if people, through their lifestyles, decide to live a shorter life, that's one way of solving the pension crisis because it's longevity, in a way, that's caused it. So if we, if we, so there, there are different moving parts to this. But on current trends, there will be a crisis. This thing will blow up, and um, when it does, 
it will be horrible. But because we are so short-term and it's somebody else's problem, and in particular, any government today knows that this thing will only blow up on somebody else's watch. So therefore, nothing is done about it. And even when we try, like Macron did, to do something about it, because that raise in the pension age was not to benefit him and his finances today. It was to benefit generations to come. Um, We know what happens. Okay, Chris, it's fascinating to talk to you always, particularly today, and we're extremely grateful. Chris Jones, former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, now respected commentator, and we're very grateful to Chris. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 